the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands. Totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of the Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. Hello, everyone. Glad you're with us for another edition of the Bible Live. We have completed now Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and now we have begun the book of Deuteronomy, the second law or the second giving of the law to the people of Israel. You know a little bit about their life after they came out of Egypt, what would have been an 11-day journey from Mount Sinai up to the Promised Land and on into the Promised Land, believing God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, their ancestors, to give them that land. Instead of doing that, though, they made an 11-day journey, a 40-year adventure. We have been reading about the ups and downs of the people of Israel. They're doubting, complaining, mistakes they made continually as a people. There were bright spots. There were individuals and there were groups that pleased God and honored God and were determined to follow God and obey his laws, the laws that he had given to them through Moses. We see God dealing with this people group. In the world where good and evil coexist, God moves and acts, and he affects people groups. And he judges some. He rewards others. As we come into the book of Deuteronomy, we have already read those opening chapters as Moses begins to prepare the people to go into the promised land. He'll be delivering some messages to them reviewing their history and then talking about their commitment to serve and to follow the true and living God. But right now, let's go to Psalm 36, the perfect justice and righteousness of God. Those attributes, those characteristics are contrasted with the wicked, 
sinful, deceitful hearts of men and women. And I have a question for you. Who is evil? If we assume a holy, righteous, just God, who is going to be judged and punished? It's a question we all have to answer. Psalm 36. Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God to restrain them. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Everything they say is crooked and deceitful. They refuse to act wisely or do what is good. They lie awake at night, hatching sinful plots. Their course of action is never good. They make no attempt to turn from evil. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your rivers of delight. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. Pour out your unfailing love on those who love you. Give justice to those with honest hearts. Don't let the proud trample me. Don't let the wicked push me around. Look, they have fallen. They have been thrown down, never to rise again. End of reading, Psalm 36. Blessed is the man who walks in your favor, who loves all your words and hides them like treasure. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. In the darkest place of his desperate heart, they are alive. All right, let's come back now and take a look now at the book of Deuteronomy, a series of five messages Moses delivers to the people of Israel. They're camped on the east side of the Jordan River, right across the river from Jericho, somewhere around 1,400 years before Christ. It's written and presented in the form of a contract, a legal contract between a king and his subjects, Moses, who said, I can't speak. I'm not a good speaker. Well, he has certainly improved. So he is going to give this second presentation now of the Ten Commandments of the laws of God. He will be expanding upon them. Right now, though, in these opening chapters, one through four, this address has to do with reviewing their history. He has brought them all the way up to the present tense now. This is an encouraging message, trying to build them up and encourage them as they think about taking this step of faith to enter into the promised land. Now, all along, God is sovereign over the affairs of men and nations. This is a holy, righteous, just God. He doesn't deal in final judgment here. Life on this earth is a time of choosing, choosing good or evil. And God is preparing us and calling us to him, to goodness, to forgiveness, to cleansing, to eternal life, or as we reject him, to death and judgment. And the question always comes up, on what basis does God judge? Who is good and who is evil? We'll talk about it after the reading. Deuteronomy 3.18 through 6.15, Deuteronomy 3. At that time I gave this command to the tribes that live east of the Jordan. Although the Lord your God has given you this land as your property, all your fighting men must cross the Jordan, armed and ready to protect your Israelite relatives. Your wives, children, and numerous livestock, however, may stay behind in the towns I have given you. 
when the Lord has given security to the rest of the Israelites as he has to you, and when they occupy the land the Lord your God is giving them across the Jordan River, then you may return here to the land I have given you. At that time I said to Joshua, You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. He will do the same to all the kingdoms on the west side of the Jordan. Do not be afraid of the nations there, for the Lord your God will fight for you. At that time I pleaded with the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, I am your servant. You have only begun to show me your greatness and power. Is there any God in heaven or on earth who can perform such great deeds as yours? Please let me cross the Jordan to see the wonderful land on the other side, the beautiful hill country and the Lebanon mountains. But the Lord was angry with me because of you, and he would not listen to me. That's enough, he ordered. Speak of it no more. You can go to Pisgah Peak and view the land in every direction, but you may not cross the Jordan River. But commission Joshua and encourage him, for he will lead the people across the Jordan. He will give them the land you now see before you. So we stayed in the valley near Beth Peor. Deuteronomy 4. And now, Israel, listen carefully to these laws and regulations that I am about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live, so you may enter and occupy the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add to or subtract from these commands I am giving you from the Lord your God. Just obey them. You saw what the Lord did to you at Baal Peor, where the Lord your God destroyed everyone who had worshipped the god Baal of Peor. But all of you who were faithful to the Lord your God are still alive today. You must obey these laws and regulations when you arrive in the land you are about to enter and occupy. The Lord my God gave them to me and commanded me to pass them on to you. If you obey them carefully, you will display your wisdom and intelligence to the surrounding nations. When they hear about these laws, they will exclaim, What other nation is as wise and prudent as this? For what great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on him? And what great nation has laws and regulations as fair as this body of laws that I am giving you today? But watch out. Be very careful never to forget what you have seen the Lord do for you. Do not let these things escape from your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Tell them especially about the day when you stood before the Lord your God at Mount Sinai, where he told me, Summon the people before me, and I will instruct them. That way they will learn to fear me as long as they live, and they will be able to teach my laws to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain was burning with fire. Flames shot into the sky, shrouded in black clouds and deep darkness. And the Lord spoke to you from the fire. You heard his words but didn't see his form. There was only a voice. He proclaimed his covenant, which he commanded you to keep, the Ten Commandments, and wrote them on two stone tablets. It was at that time that the Lord commanded me to issue the laws and regulations you must obey in the land you are about to enter and occupy. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. But be careful. You did not see the Lord's form on the day he spoke to you from the fire at Mount Sinai. So do not corrupt yourselves by making a physical image in any form, whether of a man or a woman, an animal or a bird, a creeping creature or a fish. And when you look up into the sky and see the sun, moon, and stars, all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced by them and worship them. The Lord your God designated these heavenly bodies for all the peoples of the earth. Remember that the Lord rescued you from the burning furnace of Egypt to become his own people and special possession. That is what you are today. But the Lord was very angry with me because of you. He vowed that I would never cross the Jordan River into the good land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. Though you will cross the Jordan to occupy the land, 
I will die here on this side of the river. So be careful not to break the covenant the Lord your God has made with you. You will break it if you make idols of any shape or form. For the Lord your God has absolutely forbidden this. The Lord your God is a devouring fire, a jealous God. In the future, when you have children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, do not corrupt yourselves by making idols of any kind. This is evil in the sight of the Lord your God and will arouse his anger. Today I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. If you disobey me, you will quickly disappear from the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. You will live there only a short time, then you will be utterly destroyed. For the Lord will scatter you among the nations where only a few of you will survive. There in a foreign land you will worship idols made from wood and stone, gods that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. From there you will search again for the Lord your God, and if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. When those bitter days have come upon you far in the future, you will finally return to the Lord your God and listen to what he tells you. For the Lord your God is merciful. He will not abandon you or destroy you or forget the solemn covenant he made with your ancestors. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Search all of history, from the time God created people on the earth until now. Then search from one end of the heavens to the other. See if anything as great as this has ever happened before. Has any nation ever heard the voice of God speaking from fire as you did and survived? Has any other God taken one nation for himself by rescuing it from another by means of trials, miraculous signs, wonders, war, awesome power, and terrifying acts? Yet that is what the Lord your God did for you in Egypt, right before your very eyes. He showed you these things so you would realize that the Lord is God and that there is no other God. He let you hear his voice from heaven so he could instruct you. He let you see his great fire here on earth so he could speak to you from it. Because he loved your ancestors, he chose to bless their descendants and personally brought you out of Egypt with a great display of power. He drove out nations far greater than you so he could bring you in and give you their land as a special possession as it is today. So remember this and keep it firmly in mind. The Lord is God both in heaven and on earth, and there is no other God. If you obey all the laws and commands that I will give you today, all will be well with you and your children. Then you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Then Moses set apart three cities of refuge east of the Jordan River, where anyone who had accidentally killed someone without having any previous hostility could flee for safety. These were the cities, Bezer on the wilderness plateau for the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth and Gilead for the tribe of Gad, Golan in Bashan for the tribe of Manasseh. This is the law that Moses handed down to the Israelites. These are the stipulations, laws, and regulations that Moses gave to the people of Israel when they left Egypt and as they camped in the valley near Beth Peor, east of the Jordan River. This land was formerly occupied by the Amorites under King Sihon of Heshbon. He and his people had been destroyed by Moses and the Israelites as they came up from Egypt. Israel conquered his land and that of King Og of Bashan, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan. So Israel conquered all the land from Arur at the edge of Arnon Gorge to Mount Sirion, also called Mount Hermon. And they took the eastern bank of the Jordan Valley as far south as the Dead Sea, below the slopes of Pisgah. Deuteronomy 5. Moses called all the people of Israel together and said, Listen carefully to all the laws and regulations I am giving you today. 
Learn them and be sure to obey them. While we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God made a covenant with us. The Lord did not make this covenant long ago with our ancestors, but with all of us who are alive today. The Lord spoke to you face to face from the heart of the fire in the mountain. I stood as an intermediary between you and the Lord, for you were afraid of the fire and did not climb the mountain. He spoke to me, and I passed his words on to you. This is what he said. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Do not worship any other gods besides me. Do not make idols of any kind, whether in the shape of birds or animals or fish. You must never worship or bow down to them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not share your affection with any other God. I do not leave unpunished the sins of those who hate me, but I punish the children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generations. But I lavish my love on those who love me and obey my commands, even for a thousand generations. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days a week are set apart for your daily duties and regular work. But the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any kind of work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock, and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out with amazing power and mighty deeds. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God will give you. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not testify falsely against your neighbor. Do not covet your neighbor's wife. Do not covet your neighbor's house or land, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that your neighbor owns. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The Lord spoke these words with a loud voice to all of you from the heart of the fire, surrounded by clouds and deep darkness. This was all he said at that time, and he wrote his words on two stone tablets and gave them to me. But when you heard the voice from the darkness, while the mountain was blazing with fire, all your tribal leaders came to me. They said, The Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness, and we have heard his voice from the heart of the fire. Today we have seen God speaking to humans, and yet we live. But now why should we die? If the Lord our God speaks to us again, we will certainly die and be consumed by this awesome fire. Can any living thing hear the voice of the living God from the heart of the fire and yet survive? You go and listen to what the Lord our God says. Then come and tell us everything he tells you, and we will listen and obey. The Lord heard your request and said to me, I have heard what the people have said to you, and they are right. Oh, that they would always have hearts like this, that they might fear me and obey all my commands. If they did, they and their descendants will prosper forever. Go and tell them to return to their tents. But you stay here with me so I can give you all my commands, laws, and regulations. You will teach them to the people so they can obey them in the land I am giving to them as their inheritance. So Moses told the people, You must obey all the commands of the Lord your God, following his instructions in every detail. Stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow, 
Then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Deuteronomy 6. These are all the commands, laws, and regulations that the Lord your God told me to teach you so you may obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And so you and your children and grandchildren might fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his laws and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, to everything I say. Be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are away on a journey, when you are lying down and when you are getting up again. Tie them to your hands as a reminder and wear them on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land filled with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and serve Him. When you take an oath, you must use only His name. You must not worship any of the gods of neighboring nations. For the Lord your God who lives among you is a jealous God. His anger will flare up against you and wipe you from the face of the earth. End of reading Deuteronomy 3.18 through 6.15 The Bible Live. Whatever it takes, that's what I'll do to get back to you. This intense desire, this longing, a seeking of God. That's something that I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight. As we have been considering now, God as he speaks and acts in the presence and in the midst of this particular people group, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the children of Jacob, whose name became Israel, we have seen him dealing with them, working miracles on their behalf, revealing himself and calling them to follow him. In the midst of all of this, there's this constant reminder that this is a time of judgment. God is judging individual men and women, calling them into a relationship with him. And, of course, he's judging people groups, the whole nations, their corporate morality and their corporate worthiness of him and worthiness of blessing. This is a time of judgment on the people of Canaan. We mentioned that as God now using the people of Israel as an instrument of judgment on the people of Jericho, for example, in the little town of Ai. And we'll read about as we get into the book of Joshua how God uses the people of Israel as an instrument of judgment on these people groups that have settled in Canaan. Now, this doesn't speak 
to each of them individually because we will find out as well that even as God is judging their culture, in that culture there may be individuals who have a genuine, sincere longing for God. And on a personal level, you sense that the salvation of God is at work. And in all likelihood, even though their nation was judged by God in this world, that they may well have gone on into the next world to eternal relationship with God, eternal blessing. Remember that we are looking at earthly covenant and an earthly dynamic of God at work where good and evil coexist. This world is not the place of ultimate judgment. This is a valley of decision. Men and women, boys and girls are making their decision about God. Holy, righteous, just God has created a means of salvation, a means of redemption, a means by which any human being that desires and truly longs for God is offered reconciliation, is offered forgiveness. And God is carrying out that plan of redemption, revealing that redemptive plan and offering himself to men and women everywhere in this lifetime. So this life is undeniably messy. Even the psalmist talks about that, sometimes wondering and longing about when God will judge, when he will finally judge all wickedness and reward his people, those who receive his gifts of redemption. In all of this mix of all these nations and people groups, who is evil? Are you evil? No, yeah, surely not. See, none of us want to think of ourselves as evil. We want to think about Hitler, Stalin, or some other mass murderer, people we read about in the newspapers and so on. So we have this idea that everybody else is evil, but am I evil? Well, it's not a matter of being a superstar in wickedness. If you look through the scriptures, God says there are certain characteristics of people who are evil. This is going to our deepest heart attitudes. God rejects the arrogant and the proud. Are you willing to say, yes, I am evil, I am wicked, I am weak, I am sinful, I am imperfect, and oh God, forgive me, I'm unworthy being grateful. That's another attribute of the good as opposed to wicked. There's a sense of gratitude. God has given us life, so many blessings. So are we grateful? And do you seek God? God says he will reward those who seek him, who believe that he is a rewarder of those that seek him. Are you seeking God and longing for him? And finally, ultimately, are you willing to trust him and to demonstrate you trust him by obeying him? Those who do not acknowledge, respect, Honor, trust God in His mercy. It doesn't matter how good we may think we are or I may think they are. God seems to say you're evil and will be judged. Beautiful psalm, and I think the psalmist there is seeking to do what I was struggling with tonight, help give clarity to the fact that in this particular culture, these United States of America in the 21st century here, there's a lot of murkiness. There's a lot of confusion about where do I truly stand with God? If you're willing to confess and truly grateful to God for his love and goodness, you desire God with your heart, and you're humble and willing to acknowledge your sin and wickedness and, and even your selfishness and your need for God, then you are one who can, by faith, receive the salvation and that relationship with God that he offers so freely to each of us. I wonder if you just might pray in your heart, Lord Jesus, I do need you. I receive you, Messiah. I receive you, Lord, as my Savior. Thank you for dying on that cross in my place and taking the penalty of my sins. I receive you now. Take control of my life and make me the kind of person that you want me to be. Stay tuned. More readings from Soapy Dollar and the Bible Live coming up next on AM 630, The Word. Now, more Bible readings from Soapy Dollar and the Bible Live on AM 630, The Word. I am eager, as always, to be with you this evening and spend some time 
in the scriptures. Just visiting with my wife and our son Sean came over to supper tonight. We were talking about the fact that almost every night, just a few exceptions through the years, I have been opening my Bible in front of me and getting a chance to actually listen to the scriptures with you, getting to know the God of the Bible. Thank you for the privilege of spending this time with you. I hope you'll let fellow believers know, your friends, your family members, your neighbors, people you work with, folks you go to school with, your church, Sunday school class, let them know there's a place where they can hear the Bible live each and every evening, the entire Bible every year. Tonight we're going to start a brand new book. We're making progress. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers are under the belt for this year, and now we'll start the book of Deuteronomy tonight. Right now, though, let's go to Psalm 35. It is a prayer for God to help us when we are being injured by others. Psalm 35, verses 10 through 28. I will praise him from the bottom of my heart. Lord, who can compare with you? Who else rescues the weak and helpless from the strong? Who else protects the poor and needy from those who want to rob them? Malicious witnesses testify against me. They accuse me of things I don't even know about. They repay me with evil for the good I do. I am sick with despair. Yet when they were ill, I grieved for them. I even fasted and prayed for them, but my prayers returned unanswered. I was sad as though they were my friends or family, as if I were grieving for my own mother. But they are glad now that I am in trouble. They gleefully join together against me. I am attacked by people I don't even know. They hurl slander at me continually. They mock me with the worst kind of profanity, and they snarl at me. How long, O Lord, will you look on and do nothing? Rescue me from their fierce attacks. Protect my life from these lions. Then I will thank you in front of the entire congregation. I will praise you before all the people. Don't let my treacherous enemies rejoice over my defeat. Don't let those who hate me without cause gloat over my sorrow. They don't talk of peace. They plot against innocent people who are minding their own business. They shout that they have seen me doing wrong. Aha, they say, aha, with our own eyes we saw him do it. Oh, Lord, you know all about this. Do not stay silent. Don't abandon me now, O Lord. Wake up. Rise to my defense. Take up my case, my God and my Lord. Declare me not guilty, O Lord my God, for you give justice. Don't let my enemies laugh about me and my troubles. Don't let them say, look, we have what we wanted. Now we will eat him alive. May those who rejoice at my troubles be humiliated and disgraced. May those who triumph over me be covered with shame and dishonor. But give great joy to those who have stood with me in my defense. Let them continually say, Great is the Lord who enjoys helping his servant. Then I will tell everyone of your justice and goodness, and I will praise you all day long. End of reading, Psalm 35, verses 10 through 28. Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Class reunions, photo albums, old familiar songs from our youth, old neighborhoods. Our past, all of us, is a kaleidoscope of promises. And of course, the older you get, 
the further behind some of those experiences get, those memories, sometimes we want to forget memories that are too painful. As the years pass, however, remembrances of unpleasant events usually fade into our subconscious. But there is a time to remember. When I was at my class reunion, I met one of the boys at the ranch. Mike Rust is his name. I was picking on someone smaller than me, and I I just felt so bad about it all these years. And I saw Mike after all those years and asked you to forgive me, believe it or not. And he didn't even remember it. Isn't it something that things that we remember that are so important to us, and yet to someone else it didn't seem to matter? Well, there is a time to remember. Mistakes should not be repeated. Commitments made should be fulfilled. I reminded many of the boys at the ranch, at the orphanage where I grew up, of the commitments we all made together to serve God, to walk with Christ. So many of them have kept that commitment and still walk with the Lord. It's the memory of special events as well that can encourage us and move us to action. Well, I'm talking about that because the book of Deuteronomy is written somewhat in this style. The name itself means the second law, and it's not really the second law, but it's the second giving of the law to the people of Israel. Remember that Moses presented the covenant to the people of Israel when they first came out of Egypt at the base of Mount Sinai. But this is a whole new generation of Israelites. He's presenting and reviewing a second time the covenant between the nation of Israel and God. This document is written in the technical form of a treaty between a king and his vassal state, typical of the second millennium B.C. There were many of these, and you could readily and easily see the style. There's a reviewing of the past. It calls on Israel to remember who God is and what he has done. The old generation had wandered for 40 years on what should have been an 11-day journey. They left Egypt behind but never knew the promised land. Then on the east bank of the Jordan River, now Moses prepares the sons and daughters of that faithless generation to go in and possess the land. So we'll begin with a history lesson emphasizing God's great acts on behalf of his people. Then he'll review the law itself and restate the covenant God's contract with the people of Israel. Let's listen and learn tonight as the Bible Live presents the opening chapters of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 1 through 317. Deuteronomy 1. This book records the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. They were camped in the Jordan Valley near Suf, between Paran on one side and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dezahab on the other. Normally, it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Mount Sinai, on a day in midwinter, Moses gave these speeches to the Israelites, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. This was after he had defeated King Sihon of the Amorites, who had ruled in Heshbon, and King Og of Bashan, who had ruled in Ashtaroth and Edrei. So Moses addressed the people of Israel while they were in the land of Moab, east of the Jordan River. He began to explain the law as follows. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev, and the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. I am giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it, for it is the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to all their descendants. At that time I told you, you are too great a burden for me to carry all by myself. The Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars. And may the Lord, the God of your ancestors, multiply you a thousand times more and bless you as he promised. 
But how can I settle all your quarrels and problems by myself? Choose some men from each tribe who have wisdom, understanding, and a good reputation, and I will appoint them as your leaders. You agreed that my plan was a good one, so I took the wise and respected men you had selected from your tribes and appointed them to serve as judges and officials over you. Some were responsible for a thousand people, some for a hundred, some for fifty, and some for ten. I instructed the judges, you must be perfectly fair at all times, not only to fellow Israelites, but also to the foreigners living among you. When you make decisions, never favor those who are rich. Be fair to lowly and great alike. Don't be afraid of how they will react, for you are judging in the place of God. Bring me any cases that are too difficult for you, and I will handle them. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. And at that time I gave you instructions about everything you were to do. Then, just as the Lord our God directed us, we left Mount Sinai and traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness, which you yourselves saw, and headed toward the hill country of the Amorites. When we arrived at Cadiz Barnea, I said to you, You have now reached the land that the Lord our God is giving us. Look, he has placed it in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. But you responded, First, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take and decide which towns we should capture. This seemed like a good idea to me, so I chose twelve scouts, one from each of your tribes. They crossed into the hills and came to the valley of Eshcol and explored it. They picked some of its fruit and brought it back to us. And they reported that the land the Lord our God has given us was indeed a good land. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. You murmured and complained in your tents and said, The Lord must hate us, bringing us here from Egypt to be slaughtered by these Amorites. How can we go on? Our scouts have demoralized us with their report. They say that the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are, and that the walls of their towns rise high into the sky. They have even seen giants there, the descendants of Anak. But I said to you, don't be afraid. The Lord your God is going before you. He will fight for you, just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you again and again here in the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. Now he has brought you to this place. But even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God, who goes before you looking for the best places to camp, guiding you by a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. When the Lord heard your complaining, he became very angry. So he solemnly swore, Not one of you from this entire wicked generation will live to see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see this land because he has followed the Lord completely. I will give to him and his descendants some of the land he walked over during his scouting mission. And the Lord was also angry with me because of you. He said to me, You will never enter the promised land. Instead, your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will lead the people into the land. Encourage him as he prepares to enter it. I will give the land to your innocent children. You were afraid they would be captured, but they will be the ones who occupy it. As for you... Turn around now and go on back through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Then you confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. We will go into the land and fight for it as the Lord our God has told us. So your men strapped on their weapons, thinking it would be easy to conquer the hill country. But the Lord said to me, Tell them not to attack, for I will not go with them. If they do, they will be crushed by their enemies. This is what I told you, but you would not listen. Instead, you again rebelled against the Lord's command and arrogantly went into the hill country to fight. 
But the Amorites who lived there came out against you like a swarm of bees. They chased and battered you all the way from Seir to Hormah. Then you returned and wept before the Lord, but he refused to listen. So you stayed there at Kadesh for a long time. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Deuteronomy 2. Then we turned around and set out across the wilderness toward the Red Sea, just as the Lord had instructed me, and we wandered around Mount Seir for a long time. Then at last the Lord said to me, You have been wandering around in this hill country long enough. Turn northward. Give these orders to the people. You will be passing through the country belonging to your relatives, the Edomites, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. The Edomites will feel threatened, so be careful. Don't bother them, for I have given them all the hill country around Mount Seir as their property, and I will not give you any of their land. Pay them for whatever food or water you use. The Lord your God has blessed everything you have done and has watched your every step through this great wilderness. During these forty years, the Lord your God has been with you and provided for your every need so that you lacked nothing. So we went past our relatives, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir, and avoided the road through the Arabah Valley that comes up from Alath and Ezion-Geber. Then as we traveled northward, along the desert route through Moab, the Lord warned us, Do not bother the Moabites, the descendants of Lot, or start a war with them. I have given them Ar as their property, and I will not give you any of their land. A numerous and powerful race of giants called the Emites had once lived in the area of Ar. They were as tall as the Anakites, another race of giants. Both the Emites and the Anakites are often referred to as the Rephaites, but the Moabites call them Emites. In earlier times, the Horites had lived in Mount Seir, but they were driven out and displaced by the descendants of Esau. In a similar way, the peoples in Canaan were driven from the land that the Lord had assigned to Israel. Moses continued, Then the Lord told us to cross the Zered Brook, and we did. So thirty-eight years passed from the time we first arrived at Kadesh Barnea until we finally crossed Zered Brook. For the Lord had vowed that this could not happen until all the men old enough to fight in battle had died in the wilderness. The Lord had lifted his hand against them until all of them had finally died. When all the men of fighting age had died, the Lord said to me, Today you will cross the border of Moab at Ar and enter the land of Ammon. But do not bother the Ammonites, the descendants of Lot, or start a war with them. I have given the land of Ammon to them as their property, and I will not give you any of their land. That area, too, was once considered the land of the Rephaites, though the Ammonites referred to them as Zamzunites. They were a numerous and powerful race, as tall as the Anakites. But the Lord destroyed them so the Ammonites could occupy their land. He had similarly helped the descendants of Esau at Mount Seir, for he destroyed the Horites so they could settle there in their place. The descendants of Esau live there to this day, a similar thing happened when the Kaphtarites from Crete invaded and destroyed the Avites, who had lived in villages in the area of Gaza. Moses continued, Then the Lord said, Now cross the Arnon Gorge. Look, I will help you defeat Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and I will give you his land. Attack him and begin to occupy the land. Beginning today, I will make all people throughout the earth terrified of you. When they hear reports about you, they will tremble with dread and fear. Then from the wilderness of Kedemoth I sent ambassadors to King Sihon of Heshbon with this proposal of peace. Let us pass through your land. We will stay on the main road and won't turn off into the fields on either side. We will pay for every bite of food we eat and all the water we drink. All we want is permission to pass through your land. The descendants of Esau at Mount Seir allowed us to go through their country, and so did the Moabites who live in Ar. 
Let us pass through until we cross the Jordan into the land the Lord our God has given us. But King Sihon refused to allow you to pass through, because the Lord your God made Sihon stubborn and defiant, so he could help you defeat them, as he has now done. Then the Lord said to me, Look, I have begun to hand King Sihon and his land over to you. Begin now to conquer and occupy his land. Then King Sihon declared war on us and mobilized his forces at Jahaz. But the Lord our God handed him over to us, and we crushed him, his sons, and all his people. We conquered all his towns and completely destroyed everyone, men, women, and children. Not a single person was spared. We took all the livestock as plunder for ourselves, along with anything of value from the towns we ransacked. The Lord our God helped us conquer Aurora on the edge of Arnon Gorge, the town in the gorge, and the whole area as far as Gilead. No town had walls too strong for us. However, we stayed away from the Ammonites along the Jabbok River and the towns in the hill country, all the places the Lord our God had commanded us to leave alone. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Deuteronomy 3. Next, we headed for the land of Bashan, where King Og and his army attacked us at Adrei. But the Lord told me, Do not be afraid of him, for I have given you victory over Og and his army, giving you his entire land. Treat him just as you treated King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon. So the Lord our God handed King Og and all his people over to us, and we killed them all. We conquered all sixty of his towns, the entire Argob region in his kingdom of Bashan. These were all fortified cities with high walls and barred gates. We also took many unwalled villages at the same time. We completely destroyed the kingdom of Bashan, just as we had destroyed King Sihon of Heshbon. We destroyed all the people in every town we conquered, men, women, and children alike. But we kept all the livestock for ourselves and took plunder from all the towns. We now possessed all the land of the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, from the Arnon Gorge to Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is called Syrian by the Sidonians. The Amorites call it Senir. We had now conquered all the cities of the plateau and all Gilead and Bashan as far as the towns of Salikah and Adrei, which were part of Og's kingdom in Bashan. Incidentally, King Og of Bashan was the last of the giant Rephites. His iron bed was more than 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. It can still be seen in the Ammonite city of Rabah. When we took possession of this land, I gave the territory beyond Aror along the Arnon Gorge, plus half of the hill country of Gilead with its towns, to the tribes of Reuben and Gad. Then I gave the rest of Gilead and all of Bashan, Og's former kingdom, to the half-tribe of Manasseh. The Argob region of Bashan used to be known as the land of the Rephites. Jair, a leader from the tribe of Manasseh, acquired the whole Argob region in Bashan, all the way to the borders of the Gersherites and Machathites. Jair renamed this region after himself, calling it the Towns of Jair, as it is still known today. I gave Gilead to the clan of Machir, and to the tribes of Reuben and Gad I gave the area extending from Gilead to the middle of the Arnon Gorge, all the way to the Jabbok River on the Ammonite frontier. They also received the Jordan Valley, including the Jordan River and its eastern banks, all the way from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea, with the slopes of Pisgah on the east. End of reading, Deuteronomy 1, 1 through 3, 17. to God's talk show, The Bible Live. Uh, hello, everyone. You heard tonight the book of Deuteronomy, chapters 1 through 3, 
Moses would speak to a group of leaders. They would take his words back and repeat the messages to smaller and smaller groups. The messages were passed along in that way. The events of the book of Deuteronomy, the book itself only covers a period of maybe a week or perhaps two in the life of Israel. Everything that we're reading about now in the book of Deuteronomy takes place in a week or two of the 11th month of the 40th year. The 12th month of that 40th year is spent in mourning for Moses when he dies. Then the Israelites entered the promised land the first month of the 41st year after the exodus. Moses begins his presentation here, and as I've mentioned before, in a very technical format. This is presented in the form of a covenant between a conquering king and his vassal state, a conquered people. It begins with a review of the relationship, the things that had happened. And so Moses is giving this short review of God's dealings with him. As he begins this review, it does not begin in Egypt. He begins at the base of Mount Sinai because that is where God made the covenant with the people. That's where Israel became a nation with a covenant relationship with God, that if they would obey his commands, then he would preserve them, protect them, guide them, and bless them and use them as an instrument of blessing and illumination for all the nations of the earth that is fulfilled in part by their witness to the true and living God through the centuries there in Israel. As the empires of the world rose and fell around them, Israel stood there consistently, well, often not so consistently, but always at least a remnant holding up the image and the vision of the true and living God, a God who is merciful, redemptive, and forgiving but at the same time holy and just, who condemns sin and who punishes sin. But ultimately, the greatest blessing they would be is as they become the conduit or the ancestors of the Messiah, this leader, this redeemer who was to come. And we know now to have been Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Messiah, who became the definitive sacrifice for our sin and made the way possible for every man, woman, child on planet Earth. 14, 15 billion people that have lived on planet Earth all these centuries, everyone who has sought God and loved God and desired God can come into a relationship with God only because of that one, that Messiah, the one called Jesus. So Moses begins recounting the history of the people. And it's not just a matter of transportation. In fact, it would have taken the Israelites only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. It was an 11-day journey, but they spent 40 years. So you have to understand that his primary goal was not transportation. It was transformation. He was forming and building and shaping a people for himself. He was teaching them who he was about themselves, people who were fallen, who were sinful, prone to rebellion and doubt. And he gave this rebellious people the law to help them understand their sin and help them understand what God required. And then he made a provision. He taught them through the sacrificial system that it was through mercy and grace that sin has a penalty, but that God was willing to pay that penalty and restore them to a right relationship with him. All of that was picturing the work of the Messiah. The same thing is going on with us. God is working in our world today. He is fashioning and shaping a people for himself. 
We are ending our program tonight after this reading from the first three chapters of the book of Deuteronomy. It's going to be very interesting to read the rest of this covenant. Remember, Deuteronomy means the second law, the giving of the law a second time now to the second generation of Israelites after coming out of Egypt. The great principle is that they were brought out of Egypt to go into the promised land. You're not just out of sin so you can go to heaven. You're out of sin so that you can now to begin to walk as God's people, as free people, as a holy people, glorifying to the Lord. That is the purpose we've been redeemed. Stay tuned. More readings from Soapy Dollar and the Bible Live coming up next on AM 630, The Word. Now, more Bible readings from Soapy Dollar and the Bible Live on AM 630, The Word. And here we are thanking you, as always, for joining with us for another edition of the Bible Live broadcast. We're going to continue, as we do each and every weeknight, through this great book of books. We are in the book of Numbers. In fact, tonight we are finishing the book of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, the fourth book of the Bible, the fourth book of the books of Moses, the books of the law. They're called the Pentateuch, the Torah. The book of Numbers gets its name from the census taking two times during this book, once at the beginning before they were going to enter into the promised land, into the land of Canaan. They drew back from that. They were afraid to enter. They were discouraged by the reports of 10 of the 12 spies who gave a negative report, and so they pulled back in fear, and then they wandered for about 38 years in the wilderness, and a whole generation later, another census is taken to establish and clarify how many people we have, how many men of war can we count on as we approach the land of Canaan again, the promised land. They're camped on the east side of the Jordan River, across the river from the famous city of Jericho. We come to the end of the book of Numbers tonight, and then we'll go right on into the book of Deuteronomy. We're about the 11th month of the 40th year of the people of Israel having come out of Egypt. The twelfth month will be spent in mourning for Moses, who will soon die. But the book of Deuteronomy is going to be a series of four or five messages that Moses gives to the people. The second giving of the law, giving of the law to a second generation from Israel there in the wilderness. Moses will present the book of Deuteronomy in that eleventh month. Then they'll have that twelfth month mourning his death. Then on the first month of the 41st year, they will enter into Canaan. We'll come back to that. I'll tell you exactly where we are in tonight's reading in the book of Numbers. Right now, though, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment, which is a prayer of David for help against people who try to inflict injury for no reason. It happens to all of us. Sometimes our enemies, people against us, oppose us at work or at school or wherever, and the family even, they can be very unjust and they can lie about us. (laughs) Think about the political realm. Even when we try to do good to them, But we can always appeal to God. God is always just, and he will defend us, and he will make things right someday. Now, the author of this psalm was David, possibly written when he was being hunted by Saul. Psalm 35, verses 1 through 9. O Lord, oppose those who oppose me. Declare war on those who are attacking me. Put on your armor and take up your shield. Prepare for battle and come to my aid. Lift up your spear and javelin and block the way of my enemies. Let me hear you say, I am your salvation. Humiliate and disgrace those trying to kill me. Turn them back in confusion. 
Blow them away like chaff in the wind, a wind sent by the angel of the Lord. Make their path dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Although I did them no wrong, they laid a trap for me. Although I did them no wrong, they dug a pit for me. So let sudden ruin overtake them. Let them be caught in the snare they set for me. Let them fall to destruction in the pit they dug for me. Then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad because he rescues me. End of reading, Psalm 35, verses 1 through 9. is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. All right. <laughs> Somehow I, I picture the people of Israel on the east side of the Jordan just singing along and rocking along there with a great song like this celebrating the goodness, the greatness, and the wisdom of their great God. Well, maybe it didn't happen exactly that way, but we can bring our sanctified imagination to the task, right? Frankly, we do have to do that a little bit. We have to try to enter into the experience of the people of Israel, the individuals that we read about in Scripture. We try to somehow or other walk a mile in their moccasins, get a little bit of a sense of what they were living What were the dynamics, relational dynamics? What was the dangers they were facing? How did they live? What was the lifestyle of that era in those times in terms of food and clothing and in terms of the dangers that existed in their world? It's very important that we try as we read the scriptures to get an accurate understanding of how they were living and what they were truly in reality going through. And that is not impossible. We know that there are a great number of things have changed over the 3,500 years since Moses and the people of Israel were camped at about 1,450 years before Christ. But human nature hasn't changed that much. Yes, indeed, the world has changed. Technologies have changed. They would believe they were in a futuristic existence if they saw the world we live in today. But human nature remains the same, and we can learn so much from observing these men and women. Well, right now, as I said, the people are gathered there on the east side of the Jordan. We've just been treated to an itinerary, a review of the travel of the people through the 40 years in the wilderness. We'll finish that, and then we'll go into the time when they start talking about the boundaries of the land for the different tribes of Israel. We'll talk about the cities of refuge, the cities that would be given to the Levites on the Bible Live. Numbers 33:40 through 36:13. Numbers 33. It was then that the Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev in the land of Canaan, heard that the people of Israel were approaching his land. Meanwhile, the Israelites left Mount Hor and camped at Zalmona. Then they left Zalmona and camped at Punon. They left Punon and camped at Oboth. They left Oboth and camped at Iye Abiram on the border of Moab. They left Iye Abiram and camped at Dibon Gad. They left Dibongad and camped at Almon de Blasaim. They left Almon de Blasaim and camped in the mountains east of the river near Mount Nebo. They left the mountains east of the river and camped on the plains of Moab beside the Jordan River across from Jericho. Along the Jordan River, they camped from Beth Jeshimoth as far as Abel Shedom on the plains of Moab. While they were camped near the Jordan River on the plains of Moab opposite Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and tell them, When you cross the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, 
You must drive out all the people living there. You must destroy all their carved and molten images and demolish all their pagan shrines. Take possession of the land and settle in it, because I have given it to you to occupy. You must distribute the land among the clans by sacred lot and in proportion to their size. A larger inheritance of land will be allotted to each of the larger clans, and a smaller inheritance will be allotted to each of the smaller clans. The decision of the sacred lot is final. In this way, the land will be divided among your ancestral tribes. But if you fail to drive out the people who live in the land, those who remain will be like splinters in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will harass you in the land where you live, and I will do to you what I had planned to do to them. Numbers 34. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give these instructions to the Israelites. When you come into the land of Canaan, which I am giving you as your special possession, these will be the boundaries. The southern portion of your country will extend from the wilderness of Zin along the edge of Edom. The southern boundary will begin on the east at the Dead Sea. It will then run south, past Scorpion Pass, and in the direction of Zin. Its southernmost point will be Kadesh Barnea, from which it will go to Hazar Adar and on to Asmon. From Asmon, the boundary will turn toward the brook of Egypt and end at the Mediterranean Sea. Your western boundary will be the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. Your northern boundary will begin at the Mediterranean Sea and run eastward to Mount Hor, then to Labo Hamath, and on through Zedad and Zephron to Hasar Enan. This will be your northern boundary. The eastern boundary will start at Hazar Enan and run south to Shephem, then down to Ribla on the east side of Ain. From there, the boundary will run down along the eastern edge of the Sea of Galilee and then along the Jordan River to the Dead Sea. These are the boundaries of your land. Then Moses told the Israelites, This is the territory you are to divide among yourselves by sacred lot. The Lord commands that the land be divided up among the nine and a half remaining tribes. The families of the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half-tribe of Manasseh have already received their inheritance of land on the east side of the Jordan River, across from Jericho. And the Lord said to Moses, These are the men who are to divide the land among the people, Eleazar the priest and Joshua son of Nun. Also enlist one leader from each tribe to help them with the task. These are the tribes and the names of the leaders. From the tribe of Judah, the leader is Caleb, son of Jephunneh. Simeon will be led by Shemuel, son of Amihut. Benjamin will be led by Elidad, son of Kislon. Dan, Buki, son of Jogli. Manasseh, son of Joseph, will be led by Haniel, son of Ephod. Ephraim, son of Joseph, will be led by Kemuel, son of Shiftan. Zebulun, Elisaphan, son of Parnach. Issachar, Paltiel, son of Hassan. Asher, Aihud, son of Shelomi. Naphtali, Pedahel, son of Amihut. These are the men the Lord has appointed to oversee the dividing of the land of Canaan among the Israelites. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Numbers 35. While Israel was camped beside the Jordan on the plains of Moab across from Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, Instruct the people of Israel to give to the Levites from their property certain towns to live in, along with the surrounding pasture lands. These towns will be their homes, and the surrounding lands will provide pasture for their cattle, flocks, and other livestock. The pasture land assigned to the Levites around these towns will extend 1,500 feet from the town walls in every direction. Measure off 3,000 feet outside the town walls in every direction, east, south, west, north, with the town at the center. This area will serve as the larger pasture land for the towns. You must give the Levites six cities of refuge, 
where a person who has accidentally killed someone can flee for safety. In addition, give them 42 other towns. In all, 48 towns with the surrounding pasture land will be given to the Levites. These towns will come from the property of the people of Israel. The larger tribes will give more towns to the Levites, while the smaller tribes will give fewer. Each tribe will give in proportion to its inheritance. And the Lord said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, designate cities of refuge for people to flee to if they have killed someone accidentally. These cities will be places of protection from a dead person's relatives who want to avenge the death. The slayer must not be killed before being tried by the community. Designate six cities of refuge for yourselves, three on the east side of the Jordan River and three on the west in the land of Canaan. These cities are for the protection of Israelites, resident foreigners, and traveling merchants. Anyone who accidentally kills someone may flee there for safety. But if someone strikes and kills another person with a piece of iron, it must be presumed to be murder, and the murderer must be executed. Or if someone strikes and kills another person with a large stone, it is murder, and the murderer must be executed. The same is true if someone strikes and kills another person with a wooden weapon. It must be presumed to be murder, and the murderer must be executed. The victim's nearest relative is responsible for putting the murderer to death. When they meet, the avenger must execute the murderer. So if in premeditated hostility someone pushes another person or throws a dangerous object and the person dies, it is murder. Or if someone angrily hits another person with a fist and the person dies, it is murder. In such cases, the victim's nearest relative must execute the murderer when they meet. But suppose someone pushes another person without premeditated hostility or throws something that unintentionally hits another person or accidentally drops a stone on someone, though they were not enemies, and the person dies. If this should happen, the assembly must follow these regulations in making a judgment between the slayer and the avenger, the victim's nearest relative. They must protect the slayer from the avenger, and they must send the slayer back to live in a city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But if the slayer leaves the city of refuge, and the victim's nearest relative finds him outside the city limits and kills him, it will not be considered murder. The slayer should have stayed inside the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the slayer may return to his own property. These are permanent laws for you to observe from generation to generation, wherever you may live. All murderers must be executed, but only if there is more than one witness. No one may be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. Also, you must never accept a ransom payment for the life of someone judged guilty of murder and subject to execution. Murderers must always be put to death. And never accept a ransom payment from someone who has fled to a city of refuge, allowing the slayer to return to his property before the death of the high priest. This will ensure that the land where you live will not be polluted, for murder pollutes the land. And no atonement can be made for murder except by the execution of the murderer, you must not defile the land where you are going to live. For I live there myself. I am the Lord who lives among the people of Israel. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Numbers 36. Then the heads of the clan of Gilead, descendants of Machir, son of Manasseh, son of Joseph, came to Moses and the family leaders of Israel with a petition. They said, Sir, the Lord instructed you to divide the land by sacred lot among the people of Israel. You were told by the Lord to give the inheritance of our brother Zelophehad to his daughters. 
But if any of them marries a man from another tribe, their inheritance of land will go with them to the tribe into which they marry. In this way, the total area of our tribal land will be reduced. Then when the year of Jubilee comes, their inheritance of land will be added to that of the new tribe, causing it to be lost forever to our ancestral tribe. So Moses gave the Israelites this command from the Lord. The men of the tribe of Joseph are right. This is what the Lord commands concerning the daughters of Zelophehad. Let them marry anyone they like, as long as it is within their own ancestral tribe. None of the inherited land may pass from tribe to tribe, for the inheritance of every tribe must remain fixed as it was first allotted. The daughters throughout the tribes of Israel who are in line to inherit property must marry within their tribe, so that all the Israelites will keep their ancestral property. No inheritance may pass from one tribe to another. Each tribe of Israel must hold on to its allotted inheritance of land. The daughters of Zelophehad did as the Lord commanded Moses. Mala, Terza, Hogla, Milka, and Noah all married cousins on their father's side. They married into the clans of Manasseh, son of Joseph. Thus, their inheritance of land remained within their ancestral tribe. These are the commands and regulations that the Lord gave to the people of Israel through Moses while they were camped on the plains of Moab beside the Jordan River across from Jericho. End of reading, Numbers 3340 through 3613. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. One of the primary lessons we learn here in the book of Numbers, it's always about God calling from every tribe, every nation, every people group, every language group around the world. It was always about God calling out from the entire human race a people for himself. But yet right in the midst of that grand project, we have this micro view of God's dealings with a specific individual, a specific family, a specific group of people, a clan, and then this people group that comes to be known as Israel. Jacob's name is changed. Remember, on that night before he meets his brother Esau, he wrestles with that man on the the banks of the river there. We're not sure who it was, but he wrestles with him, and at the end is given a blessing. This is a dramatic and a very marked moment in the life of Jacob as he turns his faith toward God in a greater way than he ever has before. Then his name is changed to Israel, which means having wrestled with God. For you have wrestled with God, it says, and won. That's why the people are called the people of Israel. It's the people, the descendants from Jacob. But we're not talking about a physical descendancy. We're not talking about being genetic or biological descendants of Jacob. We're told this in the New Testament. The people of God are spiritual descendants. We descend from the legacy and heritage of faith. That is our DNA. It's a spiritual DNA, the people of God. What we have here is an earthly view, an earthly type of the people of God. God works with these individuals in time and space, and we can learn much as we see God dealing with them on an earthly level, in an earthly context, We can learn much about the true and living God and his ways, and we can learn many of the principles which guide him as he works with us, spiritual Israel, those who have come to God through faith 
in his mercy, his grace, as it is expressed and was expressed in time and space through his son, Jesus, the Messiah. The tabernacle, the temple, all of those sacrifices, all of those festival days, all of these different traditions in the people of Israel that we have seen established here in the books of Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, all of those different ways that God has of giving us a view, an idea, a prediction of his redemptive plan and how he would carry it out through the Messiah. This human being who would be born to destroy the work of Satan in tempting humanity into sin. So we've watched this incredible drama play out in the first books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and now the book of Numbers. What have you heard? What have you seen? Are you able to take these principles that are there in the Scriptures clearly established for us, the true and living God and his revelation of himself, the sin nature of man, the fallen nature of man, original sin, and why it is that all of humanity fell under the consequence of sin. And then God has made a provision. Jesus the Messiah is the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. And yet it had to play out in history, in time and space. And so we see the process being played out on the stage of human history. God working out his plan of redemption. Many people ask why the Israelites were told to destroy the people living in Canaan. War has always been a reality of human people groups, of nation against nation, family against family. In this context, so it's somehow some kind of a mystery to us. There were several compelling reasons that we see in Scripture that God would give this command to destroy the people living in Canaan, to drive them out of the land. For one, God is stamping out the wickedness of an extremely sinful, perverse, immoral group of nations. Archaeology has shown us, in fact, that the Canaanite nations brought on their own punishment in many ways. Idol worship and extreme immorality and sexual perversion, these expressed some of their deepest evil desires and ultimately led to worship of false gods and and the total rejection of true and living God and morality. And God was using Moses and the people of Israel to judge Canaan in fulfillment of the prophecy. Remember way back in Genesis chapter 15, God had predicted that the sin and the wickedness of the nations of Canaan would have come to fulfillment They would be ripe for judgment at that time. God does rule in the affairs of nations, and he judges nations, not only their wickedness and their sinfulness, but also in the measure to which their national experience either aids or disrupts the carrying out of God's redemptive plan. Nations are judged on that basis. Morality, and how do we fit in terms of helping the message of forgiveness and cleansing and liberty and freedom spread around the world? God judges nations, and he was using Israel to judge the nations of Canaan at this time. And he wanted to remove all trace of pagan beliefs and practices because the people of Israel were very key people for him. They were going to be a showcase. They were going to be a people that God was going to use in a great dramatic way as an instrument of revelation of himself, not only to the people of Egypt and not only to the people of Canaan, but you're going to watch Israel now will go on to have a long existence there in this little piece of property called the Promised Land or Canaan, and they're going to have an influence over Egypt, over Aram, over Assyria, over Babylon, later on over Greece, and later even over the Roman Empire. This little piece of real estate and this group of people will have an incredible impact on the history of the world. They are strategically located and planted there for that very, very purpose. God has placed a lot of his plan on his use of this people as an instrument of revelation 
So he doesn't want these people to compromise with idolatry in any way. And he is protecting them. And through protecting Israel from those things, he's protecting his redemptive plan for all of humanity, for all of the nations of the world. We receive the message today clear and uncompromised because God preserved the people of Israel and used them as an instrument of transmission of that redemptive plan and message to us. Now, the people of Israel did not do as they were told to do. They were told to drive the people out of the land, and God warned them that if they did not drive the wicked inhabitants out of the promised land, later on those very people would become a source of hardship and difficulty on them as a people, and that's exactly what happened. Just as the Israelites were hesitant to clear out all of the wicked people, and they suffered the consequences, we sometimes are hesitant to clear out all the sin in our lives. Now, we've already talked a little bit about the daughters of Zelophehad. We know a little bit their story, how this was an exception that was made to raise the legal rights, privileges that women would enjoy in the Israelite culture, which was very different from all the cultures and societies around them. The principle is that wherever the true and living God is worshipped, wherever the good news of the true God and the worship of the true God went, the well-being of women, of children, of ethnic minorities, human liberty spread with the spread of the truth about the true and living God. It's just a historic reality. By the way, these cities of refuge, remember that the law of that time was vengeance, and so these cities of refuge were truly in advance. Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.